All right, if you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. Um, you might recognize this passage. Uh, it is one of a few prayers uh, that Paul prays over the believers in Ephesus. So while you're turning there, um, I have a question for you. What does it mean to know something? What does it mean to know something? You see, the question uh, it lends itself to a wide array of possible responses, right? I mean, there's many different ways to know something. The way you know a family member or a spouse is much different than the way you know someone you just met. The way you know Jackson, Mississippi is much different than a place you have never visited. Um, the way you know about the moon or outer space uh, is much different than an astronaut who has studied and trained and been there. There are many different ways to know something. And in our passage, Paul prays that the Ephesians and ultimately all believers would be strengthened and have the strength to know the love of Christ. And this knowledge of Christ's love, it's not abstract or far off. The knowledge of Christ's love offered to us in the gospel is personal, intimate, deep experiential and transformative but i know that for many of you maybe this morning or at some point in your life that has not seemed true there have been days months even years where god seemed distant to you you describe it to others as if you know in your head that jesus loves you but you don't feel it or experience it in your lives. And in these seasons, you're tempted to wonder things like, does God really care? Has he abandoned me? Will I ever know his love intimately and personally again? And you think to yourself, if, if God loves me, then, then why don't I feel it? Or if God loves me, then, then why do I struggle still with this sin? Or if God loves me, then why don't I enjoy him? Wherever you are this morning or whatever you bring to worship, we're glad you're here this morning. Uh, so we're going to consider what is it that keeps us knowing, keeps us from knowing Christ's love. Uh, what is the remedy to knowing Christ's love in this way? And what is the response to knowing Christ's love? And the big idea I want you to take away this morning is this, is that God empowers us to know the love of Christ. God empowers us to know the love of Christ. So with that in mind, turn to Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14. I'll, uh, I'll pray for our time, and then we'll read the passage aloud. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we come before you at this time, thankful that you listen to our prayers, that you have revealed yourself in Scripture, 
And Lord, that your words change us and give us life. And so, Lord, at this time, I ask um, that you would help me simply just to make clear what is in your word, the love of Christ for us. Lord, your words are perfect, and it's your words that we need. So I ask that you remember your promises to us this morning. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. This is God's word. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength. To comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. These are God's words. <clears throat> now, like I said, God empowers us to know the love of Christ. And there's three things that we must do in order to know Christ's love. We need to recognize the resistance, we need to receive the remedy, and we need to respond in relationships. So first, in order to know Christ's love, we must recognize the resistance. Now, Paul's prayer in our passage consists of two petitions. Look at verse 16. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened. And look at verse 18. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength. Notice the emphasis on strength. Paul's prayer for the Ephesians to be strengthened and to have strength implies some kind of weakness. And their weakness, the Ephesians' weakness, it acts as a resistance and keeps them from knowing the love of Christ. So what is this resistance? What is it that keeps them from knowing Christ's love? Well, if you were to read through the entire letter um, of the Ephesians, or of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, you would notice that Paul has a certain emphasis on spiritual powers. Okay, spiritual powers. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, he says, You once walked following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. In Ephesians 6, verse 12, Paul says we wage war against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And Ephesians 6 also includes Paul's charge to put on the armor of God to do what? To fight off attacks from Satan. According to the letter, there are evil spiritual forces at work against us. So, evil spiritual forces, they exist. Satan is at the head of this army, and these spiritual forces attack Christians. And Paul's emphasis on spiritual powers in this letter, uh, it makes sense if you remember his time in Ephesus. Y'all, the city of Ephesus, it was known for its idolatry, magic, and dark practices. And when Paul began preaching the gospel there, people started to turn from those things to Jesus. 
So much so that the owners of the local idol-making shops in town lost a lot of business. They ganged together and they started a riot to stop Paul and the Christians. So the Ephesians were well aware of these evil spiritual forces. But here's a question. Are you? Are you aware? I suspect that many of us may be hesitant to acknowledge the work of evil spirits or we're uninterested or indifferent. But whether we acknowledge them or not does not change the fact that they exist and are at work in the world. If you are a believer, Satan and his army are scheming against you, and your flesh and sinful nature wage war against the Spirit of Christ dwelling in you. And I think Paul's emphasis on these spiritual powers is a good reminder to us who have a tendency to focus on the physical components of our problems while neglecting the spiritual forces at work. You see, from our perspective, we see physical diseases, material loss, mental health issues, emotional distress, relational conflicts, and Satan would love nothing more than to use these as instruments to distract us from God and to tempt us to believe that he's abandoned us. Now, I'm not saying that we ought to abandon doctors, financial advisors, car mechanics, or counselors, but... We must acknowledge the spiritual component and the physical component of the problems we face. Otherwise, we're only going to manage our sin and suffering rather than persevering in suffering and put sin to death. So, evil spirits exist and they are at work. But how? How are these spirits at work? Well, in this letter, evil spirits affect our thoughts and our actions. Okay, so let's think about how they affect our thoughts. Remember, Paul ministered for several years in Ephesus. Okay, so the Ephesians, they had been thoroughly instructed in the gospel of Jesus and its implications for their lives. And with that in mind, notice what Paul reminds them of in this letter. Chapter 1. All the spiritual blessings offered to us in Jesus. Chapter 2, salvation by grace through faith in Christ's atoning work. Chapter 3, that they as Gentiles through Christ share in the inheritance that was first promised to the Jews. Here's my point. Don't you think Paul would have already covered these things when he was with them? Why does he have to remind them again by this letter? And why would he need to remind them again later by sending Timothy to them? Y'all, it's because we're weak. Our minds are forgetful. And on top of that, there are evil spirits at work keeping truth out of our heads. C.S. Lewis, Lewis captures this in his Screwtape letters. Uh, when Screwtape writes to Wormwood saying, it's funny how mortals always picture us demons as putting things into their minds. In reality, our best work is done by keeping things out. Y'all, evil spirits affect our thoughts 
by keeping truth out and by putting lies in. So it makes sense that we, like the Ephesians, we need to be reminded of Christ's love for us. We are weak, and there are evil spirits scheming against us. And evil spirits also affect our actions. Okay, consider the last half of this letter. Paul instructs and corrects the Ephesians for a whole host of things, like their speech, contentious relationships, um, sexual immorality, poor work ethic. It goes on and on. And if you read through these, you might notice how similar they are to the works of the flesh, our sinful nature that's listed in Galatians 5. That's where Paul says that the works of the flesh are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. And then listen to how relational these are. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Y'all, evil spirits affect our actions by tempting us to disobey and waging war against the spirit that dwells in believers. So in order to know Christ's love, we must recognize the resistance of our own weakness and of evil spirits at work in this world. Whether we acknowledge them or not, they exist. They scheme against and attack Christians, and they affect our thoughts and our actions. Next, in order to know Christ's love, we must receive the remedy. Look at verse 14. After Paul reminds the Ephesians and informs them of all that God has done for them, Paul bows his knees before the Father and prays for them. And the first thing you need to understand about this prayer is that Paul's desire for the Ephesians to be strengthened and to have strength is God's desire too. Okay, Paul, as an apostle, he's writing as one carried along by the Holy Spirit, and his thoughts and desires are in line with God's. Now, to some of you, that may sound super, just super basic. But here's why, but here's why it's important to consider. If you have struggled or if you are struggling to know Christ's love, isn't it easy to think that God is against you? Isn't it easy to think that God is against you? It's as if like you want to know and experience Christ's love for yourself, but God is withholding. It's as if like God is a stubborn mule and you and I are the ones who are eager to get work done and we've got to like spur him into action. But y'all, that is not the case with God. Paul here is not praying for something that God has forgotten to do or doesn't want to do. Paul's prayer is an expression of God's desire for the Ephesians and you to know the love of Christ. It's part of the reason I had Jermaine read 1 John chapter 4 earlier. Before you ever loved God, he first loved you. Before you ever desired to know the love of Christ, Christ desired to know and love you. And your desire for God is actually the fruit of God's desire for you. And we've got to get that straight. God wants you to know Christ's love before you do. And God wants you to know Christ's love 
even more than you do. So Paul, praying in line with God's desires, asked God to give strength to the Ephesians. But y'all, so many questions come to mind. Like, what kind of strength is this? Uh, where does it come from? What part of us who are weak need to be strengthened? And what does this strength empower us to do? Okay, when I was five years old, I believed in like the deepest parts of my soul that a sleeveless shirt with a T-Rex on the front and a belly full of Eggo waffles made me like the strongest person in the world. Okay, that was how I thought as a five-year-old. Kids, maybe you don't think like I did. Um, maybe it's your favorite player's jersey that you wear from time to time, or maybe it's a princess dress or costume that makes you feel especially strong or pretty. Uh, there's adult versions of these things too, of course. Maybe it's a, a look at your bank account after your paycheck lands. Uh, maybe it's the, the swole you feel after a good workout in the gym. Uh, or maybe it's the affirmation from a boss um, for your contribution in an important meeting. But the, the kind of strength that, Paul's refer, that Paul refers to, it's a spiritual strength that is applied by the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 16. That according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit. And I want you to note that the power of the Spirit, y'all, it is not a vague power. The power in verse 16 is resurrection power. Listen to what Paul prays in uh, chapter 1, verse 19 for the Ephesians. He prays that they would know the immeasurable greatness of God's power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might. And what is that great might? It's that might that in verse 20 continues, he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Friends, the kind of strength that you and I need, the kind of strength that Paul is praying for, and the kind of strength that God wants for you is resurrection power. It's not a little boost here or there. It's not a little pick-me-up. It is resurrection power. The kind of power that turns death into life. And this power only comes from God through His Spirit. And where is this strength applied to us? Okay, well again, look at verse 16. It says, it's in your inner being. It is applied to the deepest, most core part of who you are. I want you to imagine a rewiring of your DNA from weakness to strength. This affects the motor which drives everything that you think, say, or do. It is transformed and strengthened by this resurrection power of the Spirit. And what's the result of this strengthening process? Look at verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Friends, does Jesus seem far off or distant to you? Do you think that he has abandoned you? What if you could be strengthened so that Christ through his spirit would dwell in your heart? 
Friends, this is the kind of knowledge of Christ, personal, intimate, experiential, that is offered to you in the Gospel. And before we move to Paul's next petition, did you notice that each person of the triune God contributes to this strengthening process? It is the Father's granting, the Spirit's applying, and the Son's indwelling. God wants you to know the love of Christ. And the next petition builds off of the first. Look at verse 17. It says that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength. So the first petition is the process of strengthening. And the second is what you do like once you have strength. So what does this strength empower us to do? Well, it empowers us to comprehend and to know. Look at verse 18. That Greek word for comprehend, it's also interpreted as grasp or obtain or overtake. Like imagine if your mind had arms and hands and you could reach out and grasp the love of Christ. Kids, if you have memorized the Westminster Shorter Catechism questions with Mr. Jawan, then you know what it's like when you can just rattle off each of those questions with no hesitation. Or teenagers, maybe you're learning a new musical instrument, and you can remember when you started, how those scales were like so tedious. But now after practice, you could do them in your sleep. This, this strength empowers us to comprehend, to obtain, to grasp, to overtake, to make our own the love of Christ. And this God-given strength empowers us to know the love of Christ. And look how Paul describes it. It is a love that surpasses knowledge. Do you see the paradox? By this strength, we are able to know what is out of our reach. It takes the supernatural, divine power of God to strengthen us so that we may comprehend and know intimately, personally, deeply, what Christ has done for sinners like you and me in his death and resurrection. And what is the result of having the strength to comprehend and know this? Look at the end of verse 19. It says that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Again, imagine the fullness of God in each individual believer. Y'all, it begs the question, how does this work? How does he do this? One of my father-in-law's uh, greatest joys in this world is a well-packed suitcase. Uh, when Lindsay and I travel with her parents, um, <clears throat> he has mentioned to me several times that he doesn't like unpacking because he admires how he was able to fit so much so neatly into his bag. Um, he delights in scheming how to do this. And he talks about how there's more room in the nooks and crannies than you may think. And here's an example of how good he's, he is at this. He will make trips for business over to Europe, stay for weeks at a time, and only bring a backpack and a briefcase. Like, I mean, it's mind-blowing. And you're probably wondering, how does he do it? How does that work? And I'll be honest, I don't know. 
He's, I, I don't. He, he's never told me. He hasn't given me that secret. And y'all, in a, in, a, in a similar way, we might not know exactly how our God does this. We might not know the exact mechanics of it. But you know what we can know? Is that he absolutely delights in filling his people with the fullness of himself. That's what we can know. Friends, where are you tempted to forget or doubt Christ's love for you? Bring these to him in prayer and ask him for strength. Because our God delights in strengthening us so that we may know his love. In order to know Christ's love, we must receive the remedy by being strengthened with resurrection power through the Spirit of God in Christ, so that we may comprehend and know and be filled with the fullness of God. And lastly, in order to know Christ's love, we must respond in relationships. Look at verse 18. Paul prays that the Ephesians may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. Okay, now I think there's at least two ways you could read this phrase with all the saints. You could read it as if like the Ephesians are here and Paul's saying that they need strength to comprehend with all the saints who are up here. Okay, like kind of get on their level. Okay, that's one way. But I think the way Paul intends us to read this is that comprehension of Christ's love is a collective effort. Comprehension of Christ's love is a collective effort. In other words, you cannot truly grasp and understand the love of Christ apart from being in relationship with other believers. Think about Paul's prayer in uh, chapter 1. He gives thanks for the Ephesians. And you know why? It's for their faith in Jesus and their love for all the saints. Or think about Paul's emphasis on the unity of believers in chapter 4. He says there is one body. And one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. And according to Ephesians chapter 4 again, Christ Jesus is the head of the body. And the body is joined together by joints. And when each part of the body is working properly, it makes the body grow up and grow so that it builds itself up in love. And friends, remember... All the saints are not in Ephesus. All the saints aren't even Gentile. No, Paul, before our passage, proclaims the mystery of Christ that is now revealed that Gentiles are fellow heirs with the Jews, that Christ on the cross has made the two one and broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. And you know what this means. It means that there are no ethnic barriers. No age barriers, no socioeconomic barriers, no education barriers, no cultural barriers. No, all who confess their sins and believe in Jesus are welcomed into his body as saints. And friends, all are needed because comprehension of Christ's love is a collective effort with all the saints corporate worship, Bible studies, connecting and serving in different ministries are opportunities to comprehend Christ's love. And get this, the more we love one another, the more we comprehend his love for us. That, that's kind of a way we could understand the commands that Paul gives in chapters four through six. 
When you speak the truth in love, when you listen to truth spoken to you in love, when you imitate God as beloved children, you are comprehending Christ's love. When wives submit to husbands and husbands love their wives, when children obey parents and parents bring up children in the fear and admonition of the Lord, when bond servants obey earthly masters and their masters do the same, rendering their service to the Lord, we are comprehending the love of Christ. And don't the commands themselves remind us of the ways that Jesus loved us? Was it not Jesus who spoke the truth in love by comforting the afflicted and afflicting the comfortable? Christ Jesus who loved his bride, the church, even when she was riddled with sin and wanted nothing to do with him. Christ Jesus who obeyed his heavenly father to the point of death on a cross and all for his father's glory and for yours and my salvation. Friends, the more we respond in relationships, the more we see our weakness. The more we see our weakness, the more we ask for his strength. The more we ask for his strength, the more we receive it to comprehend and know his love. And the more we comprehend and know the love of Christ, the more we respond in relationships with others. Friends, in what area of your life do you need to know more intimately, more personally, the love of Christ? Come to Jesus, ask him for strength, and come to his body, the saints. God empowers us to know the love of Christ. So, recognize the resistance, receive the remedy, and respond in relationships. Will you pray with me? <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you for the deep love of Christ that although we were sinners and enemies against you, that you sent your Son to die on our behalf, whose blood has washed us clean. And Lord, he is the head of the church, risen on the third day. Lord, I pray now that you would send forth your Spirit to comfort and convict us where you see fit. Thank you for Jesus, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>